sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. At the heart of our Catholic faith, the heart of our Christian faith, lies one simple reality. Love. At the heart of Christianity is love. The truth that God is love, and he became man out of love for us. But we use that word all the time, love. But what does it really mean, especially in the context of the Christian faith? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that, as always, we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about this episode or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email. And the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I'm joined in studio by my regular co-host, Renee Kranz. Hello, Renee. I'm back. You are back again. And this time, I didn't uh, ask you for the email address because this time, I, I looked like I was paying attention. You looked like you were paying attention. I don't know uh, if you actually I were. tried to sit up straight yeah, and yeah. listen. Was, I appreciate that. And Okay, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was really tempted, by the way. This is how I wanted to start this episode. You know, this is what I, this is how I wanted to start the episode. Leans Love. back and spinning in. Oh, Whoa. Like parts of it. I haven't even seen the whole thing. I've seen it, parts. Actually, there's a marriage. Marriage. Marriage is what brings the hero together today. And then you do it. <laughs> yeah. Love, love, and blah, 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 blah. But I could have also used for this, this topic another line from. My other, my, probably my, the line that I quote the most from this movie. It's the most theological line. It's the most philosophical line um, in The Princess Bride. You keep, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> because it says, inconceivable. He didn't fall. Or da, da, da. Inconceivable. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> what do words mean is at the heart of many just, frankly, in a lot of ways, disagree, needless arguments mm-hmm. and disagreement. Mm-hmm. If we get clarity about the meaning of words, that would clear up so much misunderstanding. Um, and love is one of those words where it's not, um, love can mean so different, many different things that uh, we can get confused when we, yeah, cause, yeah. yeah, I love my wife and I love pepperoni pizza. <laughs> Those two, they do, I do not mean those two words in the same. Right, right. Um, and so, I think words, definitions of words change over time too. Right, right. Which is sometimes not helpful. Correct, correct. <laughs> so um, the meaning of words. So what we're going to be talking about today um, is the reality that God is love. And our starting point is uh, a document, document by that name, God is love, that came out. So as folks are hearing this, Renee, um, and we're, we're leading right up to Christmas. By the way, this year, sh- sh- then this happens every few years, shortest fourth week of Advent ever. Yeah, it's like two days or something? Uh, no. A day? Uh, not even. Well, <laughs> as soon as mass is over. Technically, <laughs> technically, it is a day because the fourth Sunday of Advent begins sundown on um, Saturday before. And ends sundown, sundown on Sunday. Sundown on Sunday because Christmas Eve. Wow. Yeah. Trumps. Yeah. Fourth Sunday, so one day long. Um, so 18 years ago, so Christmas Day, 18 years ago, um, Benedict XVI approved or was well, signed 
Deus Caritas Est, which was his first encyclical letter. Deus Caritas Est, Latin for God is love. Literally, God love is, but Latin, you can mess with word order. Mm -hmm. uh, and this remains one of my favorite papal documents of all time. Is it um, fairly, is it long? No, it's so in the little format that I have oh, here. Yeah. Uh, it is 58 and a half pages long in this little booklet form. And I don't remember, is Benedict hard to read? No, Benedict is, I don't, hold on. Like, is he, is it understandable? Yes. For the average So Catholic? I will compare. Okay. Uh, I love JP2. Right. I call JP2 the great. Right. Uh, Benedict is e clearer. Easier to read. Easier to read. And, this, and probably definitely better, easier to read than Pope Francis, only because I think Benedict was better at clarity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I would generally generally agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Although Pope Francis has written documents. It depends on what he's writing. It, it does. And like. Some of them, like my favorite, when you and I talked about, uh, we looked at the opening paragraphs of The Joy of the Gospel. Oh, yeah. Um, a few episodes, uh, yeah, several weeks ago now, I guess. Um, that's a longer document. And he does, like, some of it's very understandable. I think that's, uh, was that one of the places where he talked about um, he's some of his colorful metaphors, like, you know, uh, the shepherd needs to smell like the sheep. And the right, right, right. Yep. The hospital. Not all those came from that document, but he used that. But then he also talks about, uh, oh, what, there, there's a famous, he's got like um, a noun with four adjectives, um, <laughs> something Promethean, uh, Neoplagian, uh, Promethean somethingism. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. You're all in this. Like, uh, we theologians are with you, but you just lost 99% of Catholics. <laughs> Although that's okay. I mean, ask us to sort of break out the dictionary from time to time. Sure. As long as you don't have to do it through like 10 words in every paragraph. Right. Then right. we might have a problem. Yeah. So Benedict, <laughs> the story with Benedict on, the, on the, 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 um, the clarity of his teaching is for a long time. So Benedict was the youngest of three kids. He's the baby of the family. Can't you tell? Of course. Uh, no, I, don't <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, right. At least yeah, we're talking about you. In this, in Benedict, I have no idea how that manifested itself. But um, his sister was the oldest girl, and then two boys. His brother, who was a priest, Georg, George, uh, and then Joseph. Um, I don't remember his sister's name right now. But for, uh, at a certain point, I think, I don't know if it was when he came to Rome, maybe even when he was still in Germany, his sister never, none of the three married, obviously two became priests, but his sister never, also never married. And she, at a certain point, I don't know when in um, Benedict's life, at a certain point she be, be, basically became, became his housekeeper. Oh, okay. And cook and sort of that sort of thing. Uh, and the story is, this must have been way back when he's still in Germany, I think, that he would, um, at over breakfast sort of give her a preview of his his theological lectures for the day. Uh -huh. And if she couldn't follow, he would rework it. Oh. Even this is high-level theology. So he, right. wasn't, he was not really clear here, because this is an important distinction. Bishop Barron talks all the time. This is this is a riff. It's okay. It's a, it's a podcast. Yeah. You can do that yeah. <laughs> um, Bishop, Bishop Barron talks a lot about uh, how we can sometimes dumb down our faith, mm -hmm. dumb down Catholicism. Um, Pope Benedict would not, and Bishop Barron would completely agree with this, Pope Benedict didn't dumb down his um, college-level, graduate-level theology courses 
to like a fourth grade level. Right. But he'd be clear. Yeah. In his teaching. Yeah. So to be to be clear is not the same as dumbing it down. Right. Agreed. Um. But that that that's the story that he would sort of preview his lectures with his sister, mm-hmm. and that that supposedly helped him. Um, improve it helped him with the clarity of his yeah. teaching. And I suspect his sister was no dummy. Right, right. You, you know, yeah. Two priests. Come, her little brothers are both priests. Right. One she probably came know. from a family of of fairly high intelligence and yeah. so on from yeah. the looks of things. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. So um so to your question, is is this document is that is definitely readable. Good. And I would consider it um, one of the modern classics, I think it's, I mean, it's only 18 years old, but it's stood up over the test of that time, and it's still very relevant. Mm-hmm. So um, what I want to do is just unpack, just frankly, I don't know if we'll get beyond the first article. It's, it's, it's a longer article. It's three, three paragraphs. Um, but, well, we'll see as we go through it. This is a really rich introduction to this idea, and really this... So this is this was Benedict's first encyclical, and in many ways, your first written document lays out the program for your uh, pontificate. Okay. Um, so you better choose wisely, right? It does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but then for us as Catholics, we can look to these documents as sort of to get a sense of the course that this new pope is charting. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't remember if it was actually his literal first document or not, but. First or second document of the pontificate of Pope Francis is the joy of the gospel. Okay. So the joy of the gospel, to me, is still the document that charts the course of his pontificate. Right. Um, The first document for John Paul II was Redemptor Hominis, the Redeemer of Man. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the Redeemer of Man. That definitely laid out sort of in sketch, a sketch of where he was going in mm-hmm. his pontificate, of the mm-hmm. themes that were important to him. Right. Um, so Davis Cartas Est serves as, if you want to get a sense of where Pope Benedict was going as Pope, read this document. Okay? So um, we're going to start with the first article, uh, the first paragraph the first of Article 1. Renee, would you mind reading this paragraph? Uh, God is love, and he... There's no ah. Uh. This came up last week, too. <clears throat> uh, Magnition. Do you want me to read or Sorry. not? Being very mean to me. People have told you, have, have commented how mean I am. Yes, you, and I think they're right. Okay. <laughs> God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. These words from the first letter of John express with remarkable clarity the heart of the Christian faith, the Christian image of God, and the resulting image of mankind and its destiny. In the same verse, St. John also offers a kind of summary of the Christian life. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. Okay, so we get here two um, portions of 1 John 4, 16. The opening line, God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And then the closing line from this opening paragraph, we have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. Mm-hmm. So what Benedict is saying there, his words in the middle, um, is that the opening portion, God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Again, um, this expresses the heart of the Christian faith. First, the Christian image of God and therefore the resulting image of mankind and its destiny. Mm-hmm. And the latter portion of the verse, we've come to know and believe in the love God has for us, 
offers a kind of summary of the Christian life. So just want to, because we could just, I don't think I've done this with you. This with a lot of people recently. People may have heard this with uh, a couple weeks ago with Robin. Um, we are now, Renee Kranz, in a really important time in the television viewing year. Okay. We're between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. Oh, uh, and actually, well, we're we're at, we're post Halloween, post Thanksgiving, pre Christmas. This is the time of the Charlie Brown TV specials. Oh. <laughs> I did not know where you were going with this. <laughs> the Charlie Brown TV specials. And, and, the, tell me, Renee Grants, what are the words spoken by Charlie Brown's teacher in all oh, three we, Charlie we Brown specials? You talked about this. See, I told you. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, 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 wah. And why is that relevant here? Because... We've heard this stuff before, and we can just be like, yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't wah, 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 <laughs> as we're talking about this. So this opening paragraph, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Even the way I said that, you tempted to wah, 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 wah. The Christian image of God, the resulting image of mankind and its destiny. What the heck does that mean, Renee Kranz? Well, because God is love, we are also supposed to be love. That is, that's but, what okay, we're supposed to become wait, and wait, be. Wait, okay, hold on. No, no, we, <laughs> lo, love is something I do. I love people. You're using it as a noun. I'm so confused. Help me to understand. Well, so this is the Renee Kranz definition. Yikes. <laughs> love means sacrifice. And... Willing the good of the other. So if you're willing the good of the other, that's going to be probably a sacrifice on your part and probably a sacrifice on their part. Okay. So to me, love is sacrifice. Okay. But you still do a sacrifice. It's still an action. No, you can be a sacrifice too. Um, Jesus was a sacrifice. Was okay. So help me understand that. That's really good. Good job. Good job. Good. I'm really good scared right now. <laughs> but so are, so are you saying that... Um, God is love became true when Jesus died on the cross? No, no, no. Oh. No. Was it always true that God it is love? It was always true. Even That's before, why he created us. Even That's, before. It was his, his, because he loved so much, he created everything that is. So before he created us, though, he wasn't love. Mm, yeah, he was. He can't, he can't be something. Be, God can't be something. He can't well, not be something before and now be something different. That's very true. Um, but what does it mean to say that he, so I, I'm going to answer, well, you may have an answer to the question. Okay. Uh, a different answer. Um, what does it mean to say that he is love though? He's the, he's the essence of, well, I don't know. Right. See, <laughs> why do you make me do this? No, be, be, no well, be, because <laughs> I want, I want, I want the listeners to feel your pain. Oh, they feel my pain. <laughs> <laughs> because we say these things, we hear these things, and blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't mean to say that God is love. Yeah. I get it when we say God loves. 
But what does it mean to say God is love? Well, and we think we know what it means, but then when you start doing that, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I really don't. <laughs> I'm just going to have to say it. So the Christian image of God. So what do we know about God? What, what did Jesus reveal about God? That in the one God, there are three persons, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. And, the, and, you, and I know you know this. So the Father... Father loves the son completely. So the father pours himself out so much that the son is begotten. Right. And the son receives that love from the father and returns that. And in that in that back and forth, a third person is generated, the Holy Spirit. Right. Now, this doesn't happen. It's not like the father existed and then the son and the spirit. It's all eternal. And they're right. all co-equal. Right. They're all equal, all three. It's how love works. Can I right. say it so, that way? Right. So, so God is an eternal communion of persons. Right. So why is God's essence love? Because in the one God, in his one nature, there are three persons, three distinct persons who pour the, so there's that, that, that eternal, so pouring out, receiving, and exchange, which generates love. Forget about us and the rest right. of creation. Right. That that is God from all eternity in who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why in his essence, he is, that's why John writes these words. And so the Pope Benedict then say, says that these words express with remarkable clarity the Christian image of God and the resultant image of mankind and its destiny. So we are created in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. So God is a communion of persons, each person having an intellect and will, well, a person having intellect and free will. So we are intended to be in relationship with one another on earth, well, with other humans, mm-hmm. but also with God, okay. our destiny. Our destiny is to be in eternal communion with God and one another. So is that almost like a mankind trinity? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like I think this a- is why. So the, the, the human, the, like the, the stereotypical example here is, and obviously this doesn't happen all the time, uh, but of a human family, man, woman coming together mm-hmm. and generating new life. Right. Again, that doesn't always happen. Um, but that's where the family mirrors. Mm-hmm. That's where, the, where where we, in our relationships, mirror the reality of who right. God is. Right, right, right. So um, God is love. So the, it's the, that conveys the image of God. Christian image of God. And the resultant image of mankind and its destiny. So I just want to go on, though. It's not just God's love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So when we when we truly love others, God abides in us and we abide in him. Now, what does that mean? I think going back to your word, sacrifice, desiring the good of the other, and so on. It's not, in this sense, it's not about um, affectivity, about emotions or feelings. Right. It's about more than that. It's about involving the whole person. Right. Uh, completely desiring the good of the other with my whole being, not just how I feel, but also not just my will. It's all of me. Right. Mind, intellect, affect, the whole nine yards. Right. Okay. Okay. So, um, and then we're told that 1 John 4.16 also gives us a summary of the Christian life. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. So the Christian life in some is expressed in this passage from St. John's first letter. We, as Christians, have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. So, as I'm reading this just this last time, I'm like, well, what do you think, why does John make this distinction between to know and to believe? 
Uh, they are very different things. There was just a story that was told this morning from one of the Chancery people about a, um, a friend of hers who didn't really understand that God loved him. Yep. So I think sometimes we might know it intellectually, but not really believe it yep. because we're sinful and we screw up all the time. And how could God possibly love us with yep. that going on? So to believe means to have faith and have faith can mean sort of knowing something's true, but it can also have faith in me, mm-hmm. trust me. So it can base, so believe in this context can convey like a deep trust in the other person. Right. So we have to come to know and to trust in the love, the love God has for us. Right. First paragraph. Renee. The next, oh, so, that, okay. So we're not going to get all the way through the first paragraph. <laughs> but that's fine. I want to focus on the, well, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to stop you at a certain point here. But, for the next one? Yep. Okay. We have come to believe in God's love. In these words, the Christian can express the fundamental decision of his life. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decision, decisive direction. Can you reread those two sentences, please? We have come to believe in God's love. In these words, the Christian can express the fundamental decision of his life. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. So that second sense there I've got underlined, and this is one of my favorite passages Mm -hmm. in all church. Everything. (laughs) In all all church, outside of the Bible, um, this is definitely one of my favorite lines. This is a man who... um, obviously an intellectual, um, who was unfairly, uh, back in the 80s, sort of um, labeled as the Panzer Cardinal. Okay. Um, so, like, this is, like, German in the worst sense. But Pope Benedict was a Bavarian. Oh. Bavarians are very warm. And this idea of the Stoke German, that's other parts of Germany. Oh, okay. Um, Bavarians are not that sort of. But he was, like, because he was so the truth of, of the faith, was so important to him um, that people thought he was he was sort of um, yeah labeled as you know overly dogmatic and rigid and um, and yet the truth the truth of his thought is expressed in that line right here. Um, this is why I love this line. I'm going to read it once more myself. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. So it's really possible, or it's easy for us, rather, to reduce Christianity uh, in misguided ways. Mm-hmm. Um, well-intentioned, even misguided. So being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice. So Christianity is not, in its essence, about morality. Right. It includes morality, but the heart of Christianity is not morality. Um, morality flows from the heart, the way that blood flows from my heart, but it's not the heart of right. the thing. Being Christian is also not the result of a lofty idea. Right. And this is, to me, like this brilliant intellectual um, said time and time and time again things like this. Christianity is not a philosophy. 
there is a philo- in its essence, there is a philosophy that flows from it. Sure. There are ideas, certainly, teachings, whatever. There are ideas that flow from the essence of but the essence of Christianity is not an idea. It's not an ideology. Right. The essence of Christianity is not a lofty idea. Being Christian is the result of the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. So being Christian is about an encounter with a person, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. through whom we encounter the Father and by whom we encounter and the Holy Spirit as well. Um, so it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ in its essence. So you just now, what do you think? What what's he doesn't say being Christian is, is the is the result of an encounter with a person. He has an, has another word an in front. So what do you what does that mean? Do you think? Well, I think an event. He means the the moments that we are most maybe attuned to God. Oh. Or or a conversion, perhaps. Yep, yep, yep. So it's, so being Christian is the result of the encounter with an event. What's it, how do you encounter an event? <laughs> Go to it. <laughs> uh, and I so I, so but he says an event, comma a person. Mm-hmm. So here's the interesting thing: he's sort of equating right a person and an event. Person. Yeah. So if you were to say with the word event, what's an how would you say what's an event? How, what's a synonym for event? Uh, happening. And that's it, it, every that's that's my top that's synonym the thesaurus that's the first word every time I ask this people say that it's a happening it's a, an event is a happening Jesus is a happening okay so what he's a person but what I love about this is it, it gives a sense of dynamism of Jesus the fact that Jesus is on the move like Aslan oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. like Jesus is not sitting in heaven right now twiddling his thumbs, looking down <laughs> at you and I and Elise as we record this episode. Jesus is on the move. He's doing things. He is ha- he's a happening. He, he, he's active. He is an event. And to be a Christian is the result of my encounter with him. It's the result of my encounter with him. So, I can't overstate the importance of this. I think for a lot of Catholics, what is what is being Christian about? You get following all the rules, morale, <laughs> yeah, right. Doing certain things, right, or believing certain things, the lofty ideas. Right. Well, it does include doing certain things and believing certain things, but it is above all the encounter with an event who is a person that is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, people are hearing this probably um, right before Christmas. As we go into this brief fourth week of Advent and then celebrate Christmas, remember that this is that this that what this is all about is about me meeting and deepening, meeting Jesus Christ, encountering Him, and 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 deepening that encounter and an ever deepening relationship with Him. I, yeah. I, I again I can't understand. Yeah, this. we don't change our lives for a for rules. We don't change our lives for rules. We don't change our well. We might we might think we can change our ideas or our lives for ideas, but that pitters up. But when yes. we meet someone yes. who gives my life a new horizon and a decisive direction, that's what makes the difference. Yes, totally. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> and folks, that, folks, that will wrap up, wrap up this episode. Again, you can email us ignition 
at sfcatholic.org with any questions about today's episode or ideas for future ones. Until next time, may God bless you.